And and this is what Apple's trying to crack is is it is about reframing it as a new form of computing, spatial computing. Yep. And at the moment, it's not something that that many people can relate to or or see a use case in. Uh, but what I have uh, seen of of Vision Pro is that it is streaks ahead. It is mm. set in a mm. new standard. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain. Back again this week with Daryl Webster joining us. Welcome to the show, Daryl. Good to be here, Paul. G'day. Had lots to delve into today. Uh, probably the big one that we we have to address is Apple Vision Pro. So that's mm. gonna that's gonna be a pretty important part of the show uh, today. But there's lots more going on. Some space news as far as New Zealand's concerned. Uh, a um, a deep tech uh, company in New Zealand, uh, Nilo, I believe is the correct way to say their name, uh, that I care investing in. Uh, there's some interesting things down the AI and chat GPT track. Uh, airlines uh, stepping up with uh, with their in-flight uh, entertainment, 4K displays, Bluetooth, and uh, and some changes in, in investments into the world of uh, chip manufacturer, chip manufacturing, um, and also we'll delve a bit into the world of, of Microsoft and uh, and particularly the the three six five world. Um, but before we start, big thank you to our show partners One NZ, Two Degrees, Spark, HP, and Gorilla Technology. Um, and also, can you give us maybe a little bit of a, an intro for those that haven't uh, haven't heard you on the show before, or that have uh, forgotten since you were you were last with since us? Since I was last year, like four or five years ago. Yeah, um, I'm Daryl Webster, also known in the community as Daryl as a service. has a, has a ring to it with uh, the tech that I'm into. Uh, I am a Microsoft 365 consultant. I delve into change management, do a bit of tech as well. Uh, and I am now an independent consultant as Modern Work Mentor. So you can get Daryl as a service. There you go. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's jump in. First up on the uh, you know the New Zealand front, uh, we've had the national uh, space policy uh, launched, and so look, it's it's. Um, it's a really interesting area that you know New Zealand has become such an active uh, player in the world of of aerospace and and space. You know we're now a few years in with having a New Zealand uh, space agency, and so this new uh, new new policy. Uh, look, I, you know I think it's it's encouraging to see um, you know this sort of thing get get developed that we've got you know policy as a country. I guess what I'm what I'm looking for uh, is more, you know, what's the government going to throw behind this this sector? Uh, what's what's next? Um, there, there's a you know a fair bit there in in the in the policy, uh, which I, I, you know I think most of it there's you know value statements and um, you know our 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 role. Um, as as you know, stewards of of space and earth environments, the role of uh, innovation and uh, coming from New Zealand, uh, our responsibilities and um, and the approach to uh, to partnership. 
So yeah, there's a there's a chunk of you know chunk of stuff in there, um, but ultimately we you know we have that challenge. We're competing with with the rest of the world, don't we? And so that's uh, that's probably the big the big challenge that uh, most that are in this in this area are wanting to get you know as much um, help from the government to sort of make it easy for them to progress. Uh, they they want to be able to raise funds easily, and they want to be able to operate without, um, you know, ridiculous levels of uh, of red tape, as it were. So that's quite, I guess my my uh, my view of it. I'm looking forward to the New Zealand Aerospace Summit uh, that's coming up in um, in Christchurch in the not too distant uh, future. Um, I think what's the dates? Eleventh uh, uh, and twelfth of uh, of September. So you know that's probably that's probably the big event where we'll get to hear a bit of feedback on the summit, how the government are going, how the sector's going. Uh, very much as a well, it's a growing space uh, as far uh-huh. as uh, <laughs> as as you know as far as the New Zealand you know um, economy is concerned, and you know it's it's been really exciting. Some of the guests that we've had uh, across the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, over you know over the years and um, yeah we'll we'll continue probably to to ramp ramp that up uh, so yeah really uh, really you know pleasing to see that that you know the government's not you know completely sitting still here um, but of course there is only there's only so much uh, resources that are sort of allocated to the mm. sort of you know broader um, you know space and, and aerospace sort of sectors right now uh, and and. I don't know that that may be a challenge in terms of keeping us competitive. Mm. Look, I I think um, I, I, there's some things in this policy I wouldn't have thought of. You know, the stewardship side of things. Mm. Uh, mm. When I think of space and what we're putting into space, I, it's good to see that they're considering things like um, light pollution and you know just having some responsibility around uh, how much we're putting up there. Yeah, uh, and you know New Zealand is known for its clean green reputation. And maybe that does need to extend into space as well. Yeah, most of those things are they're kind of as you would ex- as you would expect for New Zealand. Um, but it, yeah, it's important to to articulate these things as well, isn't it? Mm. Um, now the other piece that's sort of in that in that space world that I'm not sure that we we covered off. Um, it was maybe a couple of weeks or so, um, maybe even three weeks back. Now um, the news that Rocket Lab had acquired um, some of the key assets. Of uh, Virgin Orbit, which of course is, was one of Richard Branson's two uh, space companies. Virgin Orbit, really, their their thing was ab- about uh, getting satellites uh, into space and using a seven four seven as sort of a, a launch vehicle. So rather than a rocket having to go, you know, straight straight up uh, from the ground, it would launch um, off the uh, off the aeroplane uh, as a, as an approach and. Uh, yeah, seems like that uh, that just hasn't played out that well. I think it's a reminder of, of just how hard uh, space is, mm. and you know just how well the, the companies that are uh, succeeding in space are doing. And we, you know, we 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 look at Rocket Lab. There's probably a degree uh, to which we just take Rocket Lab and uh, and and others uh, within the sector here for granted in New Zealand. It's like, oh yeah, that's what we do. We you know, we figure these these little problems out, and uh, and and away we go. Um, you know, but but you know, realistically, it's it is it's it's incredibly hard to get into space, and in in such a way 
uh, that's commercially viable. So yeah, you know, I think we, we've got to you know take our hats off to uh, those that are that are in the sector uh, that are making uh, making it work, and uh, you know we want to get behind them, and um, you know, and I guess you know hope that that. Uh, yeah, the government is able to provide the appropriate levels of um, of support along the way. So, yeah, sixteen point one million dollars sort of acquisition of some of the assets there of um, uh, Virgin Orbit. Um, of course, there 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 is also the other um, side where uh, we still see Virgin working, which is Virgin Galactic, mm. uh, and and their role is taking people. Um, up to space and getting you getting you up there to uh, I don't know probably to the Kármán line to that sort of uh, into the into sort of a weightless uh, state and yeah of course we, there's some some others that are that are playing in that uh, area now and of course we, we've probably all seen the the footage of, of Bezos going up to up, up to space and uh, and so on and them getting there what is it I don't know. Two or three minutes of uh, of weightlessness, yeah. and then and then coming uh, coming coming back to earth. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting scenario when you when you look at just how incredibly successful you know the Virgin businesses have been, and how successful you know uh, Sir Richard Branson has been with his business empire. Um, he he has you know he's he's. Struggled, I think you you know you could say, uh, in his overall uh, you know focus on on space. Mm. Well, I mean, my my first question was, is this the Virgin Galactic side of it? But that's apparently still a focus and still aim to go strong. But yeah, I, I'm trying to imagine what it would be like to launch something off a seven four seven approaching at a certain angle and what just release angle velocity. There's much better, bigger minds than me that's working on this, but yeah, that would be a hard thing to do. Yeah, look, there's you know there's active news and so on coming through on on Virgin Galactic's uh, Twitter. So I think you know they're they're trying to uh, show that hey we're you know we're here, we're relevant, we we're going to pull this stuff off. And you know of course there's there's Kiwis that are in there who have you know put down their uh, their funds to be able to go to space with uh, with with Virgin Galactic. And um, look, let's uh, let's hope everybody gets their uh, <laughs> their ride to space, and uh, that it's not you know not too many too many years off, um, because I I think you know those that have put down their money, we're we're probably yeah under the impression they'd be amongst the the, the first people, and we've still got uh, I guess those that are that are going up at the moment are paying really much much bigger sums generally to get up into uh, space. At the, at this point, and uh, you know, I guess, yeah, it's um, it's not a quick, quick and easy thing to do to be getting launching people into space, especially when you want to do it safely. So, but good, good on them. Um, now, also on the uh, the New Zealand um, front, uh, IKEA have invested in um, Anilo, which is a uh, deep tech firm focused on uh, on plastics based. Uh, based in Auckland, and their their uh, goal seems to be very much around uh, you know converting our um, our waste products, you know particularly uh, you know plastics, uh, um, to create commercial resins that can replace uh, harmful uh, harmful chemicals that are that are used, for instance, with engineered uh, timber. 
and into other areas where you know effectively we we put to use this waste and uh, and and create a bit of a, a circular uh, scenario rather than uh, we end up with with products that can't be recycled, which which sounds really good. And seeing uh, IKEA having taken um, uh, about an eighth of the uh, the the business. Um, Let's hope that you know that leads to some good uh, commercial outcomes over time. Yeah, uh, I dare say that some of those perishing white plastic chairs on our porches might might make their way through to this recycling and probably end up being IKEA chairs. Yeah, well, if you can get that happening, so the old stuff becomes you know the new stuff and so on. Um, yeah, look, I, I mean, I think if if we can repurpose, a, you know, a, lo- a lot more. Rather than it ending up in in landfill, mm. um, you know, we it's definitely a place we need to need to get to. It's uh, it's how practical is it uh, to get there? And um, yeah, I'm I'm very hopeful that uh, um, the team at at at, uh, at Nilo are, are very innovative in their chemistry and engineering and and so on, and uh, that they can. They can solve some of these issues because we're not very good at uh, recycling uh, plastic today. That seems to be the mm. the scenario. Uh, not very good at all in New Zealand. So yeah. we tend to ship it, don't we? We we certainly have done, um, yeah, in the past. And uh, but those options, I think, have have um, you know probably been reducing over mm-hmm. time. Um, now it was interesting to read that uh, United Airlines are moving through or have agreed. Uh, to a deal with um, uh, Panasonic's um, um, team who handle the uh, the uh, in-flight entertainment uh, systems, that's going to see airplanes upgraded to have 4K d- displays and uh, Bluetooth. Um, yeah, it's 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 encouraging to sort of see this uh, this Ford. Uh, you know, movement in terms of the technology going into um, into their planes. Um, I think they're talking around three three hundred thousand uh, seats that are getting upgraded. So uh, that's a, that's a fair fair number of uh, um, planes, and they are able to uh, yeah, I think put them into um, into existing aircraft. Um, you know, potentially. Um, although I, th- I read on this one, it's going to be yeah. The focus is on um, uh, new Boeing seven eight seven and uh, Airbus A three two one XLR um, aircraft. So um, yeah, pretty pretty encouraging. Um, the other thing was the uh, the USB C ports capable of char- charging uh, devices um, oh, add up to a, a, a hundred. Um, 100 watts so yeah the idea that you can actually uh, keep your keep your laptop yep. uh, or your phone or, or whatever uh, charged and it's probably all sorts of other gadgets that um, you know some people will be will be carrying around but uh, moving that across to USB-C and and having that sort of um, you know throughput is uh, is very very encouraging um I think they're talking about um, so, yeah, there's some some, I guess, challenges, and one of the things is that these sort of upgrades take a long time. So we're 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 talking about they're not even starting with the upgrade until 2025. So um, 
I guess that's how it is, right? Um, yeah. But uh, the, I guess the question is, does this stuff actually matter or do we all have enough gadgets and so on for our own content? Mm. And, you know, certainly on, um, I mean, it's not, not the case on our domestic flights generally in New Zealand, but more and more so we've got gadgets with us, we've got internet on those uh, international flights. So mm. we've, we've got a lot of, you know, flexibility mm. and with Starlink and other low earth orbit uh, satellites starting to, you know, offer some pretty snappy uh, internet on planes, do we actually care about what's on the on the seat back? Well, I, I think it, it still helps to have something standard that's there for those who aren't bringing their devices in. Mm. And we're, I think we're talking about international flights. I, I wouldn't expect to see these on domestic United flights unless it was long haul east to west or west to east. Um, I think a, a 4K screen... My instant thought was, oh, does it mean I can use it as a second monitor while I'm working on my laptop? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I think that the 100 watts charging, though, is, is certainly something that um, has become important now with the types of devices that we have and the power that we need, the trickle charging that we'd have from the, the standard USB that's been in the planes for some time just isn't enough. So, yeah. Yeah, look, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing uh, seeing these things uh, improve, but it's uh, yeah, it's not necessarily a, a necessity for uh, for all of us. They're talking about 13 inch displays for their first class passengers, uh, and economy being uh, 10 inch. So, <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know they're 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 not massive, but that's that's part of the. The balancing act here, isn't it, is keeping keeping it um, you know, affordable to put those upgrades in place as well. Um, but there does seem to be this sort of degree to which for this, you know, there's specialised in-flight uh, entertainment um, you know, systems. It, it is a specialised area and that means there's, there's cost implications, right? This isn't just sort of stuff you buy off the shelf. And we have seen it in the past where, where airlines, more of you know, the the budget end, I, I I think where I've noticed it anyway, um, you know, we'll have tablets and, and so on as an alternative. Mm. And that's, you know, that's probably a, a, a much, much cheaper option where you give out, you know, potentially you give out tablets or, you know, what have you rather than uh, having having built in. So, you know, I think it's just going to be an interesting journey to see how it, how it plays out in the years ahead where we're all sort of carrying our own, um yeah gadgets how yeah how important is it to have that stuff in there that's it you're talking about uh very expensive hardware in terms of the planes themselves uh so uh you know the cost of of keeping the entertainment systems um you know up to date isn't isn't necessarily such a big deal right yeah um yeah oh well, it'll be been an interesting one to uh interesting one to watch um now one one story that uh that caught my attention um, recently was around um, some dramas with with chat GPT and <laughs> look you know I, I'm always encouraging people look at the latest technology try out the latest technology see how you can apply it whether it's you know personally or, or professionally it's you know it's really important for us not to get um, you know to, to fall behind 
And um, what we've what we've heard about is um, a, a scenario uh, where the technology has been has maybe been been utilised uh, in a manner that's uh, that's you know, created some some issues from uh, a legal standpoint. And uh, uh, yeah, when it comes to relying on uh, Chat GPT uh, to pre- prepare your um, uh, your legal case. I think uh, the lesson is it's uh, it's very very important to make sure uh, that what you're actually getting in terms of uh, output is um, you know is is worthy. Um, and we you know we've been I guess yeah seeing more and more around uh, you know Chat GPT uh, hallucinations, which mm. legal cases or other scenarios are creating. Uh, dramas and um, yeah, we've now seen sort of coverage with with some researchers worrying that these hallucinations and the things that are being imagined uh, actually can't be solved. It, it wouldn't be a good good place for us to be with uh, with AI if it if it's just not ever going to get to a trustworthy state. Would no, it? well, I think uh, I know maybe it's it's good to compare some of the the AI um, services here, but we're ChatGPT isn't known for providing references and being able to follow up and see where did the source come from and can I check it out for myself. Mm. You compare it to the the Bing chat side of things where the the references are there, that's important. And that's where this became the problem because they were looking for references and cases and trying to say this and that and the cases were made up. And lawyers have said that if if you really were going to uh, put your name on a case like this, uh, you should be checking all your references. And apparently it's as simple as taking a few of the uh, few things to talk about the case and the book and wherever it's found. You can go to um, Google Scholarly apparently and, and plug those details in. With 30 seconds you can tell this is a, a real case. Yeah, I think the um, the particular legal situation that, that came up and I think, yeah, it was related to Colombian Airline that was was being being sued, right? And it seems like the 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 lawyer had gone to ChatGPT, you know, asking for examples, and then it gone back to ChatGPT to ask for it to you know double check and make sure everything was solid. And it came back and said yes. And then I think you know provided you know provided some links. And one of the fascinating things is some of these links that that are provided can be completely bogus. We, you know, you ask for the source material and you'll mm. click on it. It goes to a very general like page that's like, well, no, that doesn't, you know, verify what's being said here. And so, yeah, you, you would tend to think that uh, you should be able to apply some technology that goes through and, uh, and actually gets a, gets a, uh, verification and that might be, yeah, an AI system to check the AI system. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there, there there may need to be some some pretty um, yeah stringent elements to to that uh, checking when uh, when you can see you know, Chat GPT and and the like uh, you know cheating a little bit. Mm. Yeah, definitely be keen to uh, keen to hear from any any listeners who have had uh, you know really good or really bad experiences with the tech. Um, interesting. I heard some someone's commentary the other day 
um, on Google Bard and uh, they were saying that they felt that Google Bard was sort of increasing, improving um, at a you know at a at a re- reasonable uh, clip. Uh, it seemed uh, you know pretty poor probably when we when we first saw it. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, I thought, well, that's encouraging. I will, hmm. I will have to have a have another look and uh, and and see how uh, how things are progressing on that front. You had any particular experiences there, Daryl? Not so much. I, I know the early um, Bard experiences. There was arguments over basic arithmetic, but um, as with ChatGPT, I think. Yeah. So. <laughs> and and I think it it was said too that that Google has a lot more to lose. So that's why they were more cautious in how they're introducing AI, where being it was all about trying to work from the ground up uh, with, with uh, you know, they're not certainly market share in terms of uh, search results. Mm-hmm. So uh, you had um, those two differences in, in approach. Um, but, yeah, good, good to hear. And you, you would expect that from the indexing and all the source uh, sources that Google have that, that Bard could pull it off eventually. Mm, mm, mm. Um, now we've heard that um, the EU, the European Union, are, um, are, are making something of a of an investment uh, in the future of tech in in the EU going forward, uh, an eight point seven billion dollars US aid for I don't know if aid's the right term uh, for I guess it is, um, it's just not, not how we usually have it applied. Um, for uh, you know, technology innovation uh, projects, um, and yeah, what I came across in, in Reuters was talking around you know a focus on microelectronics, communication technology um, projects as the, the the EU is is trying to um, you know be at the cutting edge of of technology. And uh, yeah, th- this is interesting because we've we've seen the US uh, investing into, uh, particularly into uh, you know microchip um, uh, manufacturing facilities, and that seems like this is this is partly where um, you know the the EU side could go at least into chip chip design, um, manufacturing, also uh, looking at at five G and uh, and six G. Uh, you know, technology from a, a telecommunications perspective, um, but also you know autonomous uh, driving and and artificial intelligence and and quantum computing. So they're kind of so, sort of yeah potentially making funds available in in, in any which uh, direction as long as it's sort of exciting and cutting edge and uh, mm. might uh, might help with the the, the EU's uh, economy and the. In the longer uh, term, so yeah, I'm kind of curious whether we'll hear, you know, much more about how these funds are spent and uh, and and what it uh, what it leads to. Is this also um, a move to to try and reduce the dependency on Taiwan, for example, and in, in the chip manufacturing there? That by diversifying and building up the industries around the planet, you're you're not de- reliant on just that one area that that could be at risk. Yeah, look, um, I haven't seen that specifically stated on this one, but you know what? What we do know is there are sort of geopolitical, you know, things going going on, and yeah, certainly if if we look at the, you know, where Russia are at, you know, currently with access to to certain technologies, uh, you know, that's something that can be quite uh, quite challenging and and quite 
uh, crippling to an mm. economy to be, you know, cut off from from the latest technology. And you know, I'm sure um, the European Commission wants to, uh, um, you know, ensure that they're in a they're in a good state, regardless of what happens uh, on that geopolitical front with 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 China, with Taiwan, um, and so on. So, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a, it'll be um, an interesting, you know, time time ahead, uh, and yeah, I don't, I'm I'm just not sure whether we're going to get the insights as to uh, as to where this funding goes and uh, and what it achieves. But I think you know we're getting pretty used to uh, um, you know governments investing into you know particular areas of of technology uh, and and innovation. And uh, yeah, I think now's a, an important time for that. Now we we do need to uh, delve into Apple's WWDC, the Worldwide Developers Conference. Uh, this comes around every year, but of course this year, uh, something that wasn't wasn't a huge secret was that uh, Apple were expected to unleash uh, their virtual reality or augmented reality uh, headset. And in fact, we'd seen some reasonably good uh, renders of mm. it that weren't uh, you know weren't a million miles off uh, you know over quite a period of months. So. You know, when when it did uh, when it did appear and it and it's you know looked sort of ski goggle uh, like and so on. Um, yeah, it didn't it didn't appear to be a, a hundred million miles away uh, from from those renders. Um, the, I guess that you know there, there, there's so many questions here, but from you know hearing from uh, you know folks that uh, that got to, got to see. The, and got to wear the Apple Vision Pro, it uh, it really comes across as mm. though you know Apple have have done you know one of the things that we we know them for, which is they've they've sort of waited it out a little bit. They're not the the first to move uh, in this area, and they've worked hard to innovate and come up with a product uh, that is a step above what what others are doing. Mm. I guess the 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 big question here is: Can Apple turn this into something that's going to be a genuinely solid business for them? And can they bring augmented reality, virtual reality, into the mainstream and make it a thing that you know, we all want to be involved in on a you know on a daily sort of basis? Right? Mm-hmm. You know, we we look at what they did with the smartphone and there were smartphones before Apple came along but the iPhone helped turn the smartphone into something that everybody wanted and it wasn't too long before you know, the large majority of of the population um, you know would have a smartphone and you know although they don't hold the you know the biggest market share on this in the smartphone they they certainly make the biggest uh, profits <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, looking at the Apple Vision Pro, three and a half thousand dollars US. I think uh, when I converted that last week into New Zealand dollars, and then added GST because that's certainly from a consumer, uh, you know, p- perspective, um, you know how um, uh, how how things tend to uh, tend to play, you know, play out. Um, 
yeah, it's. I mean, it's really in the ha- in the hands of consumers. I'm sure you know at the price point it's coming at yes businesses too. But if we talk about it as a GST inclusive price, New Zealand sixty six. Sixty-seven hundred dollars. Mm. Um, you know, certainly likely to not be under sixty-five hundred dollars unless there's an exchange rate. Um, you know, change. So yeah, this is um, you know this is a really hefty hefty purchase. Mm. There aren't uh, there aren't you know too many Apple products probably selling at that sort of price point, and certainly not to consumers. Um, so I don't know. A few thoughts I'll throw out, then keen to hear yours. It does have the word pro on the end. You know, we're used to iPhones and MacBooks mm-hmm. and other things with pro being a you know a more expensive product. So it it does leave the the door open that there's going to be a, a, a lower cost Apple Vision um, product. Uh, it doesn't come out until what early 2024, and that's the US release. We don't actually mm-hmm. know the New Zealand um, release, to, to, despite um, what. New Zealand news media uh, shit. I was interviewed by by one of the TV stations last week, and I went back and had a look at what they published. And you know, it's it's the the usual sort of scenario where a 10, 15 minute interview they take a couple of you know slices. Mm-hmm. Um, so there wasn't too much of what I had to had to um, share in there because they're trying to package this up for a really broad audience. Um, but I think they had mentioned probably a. Um, you know, they'd forgotten that we add GST to you know price these sort of prices. Um, so I think they were maybe talking about a fifty-seven hundred dollar, um, you know, mm. type of type of price, so a, a lower price point. Um, and there was a comment of availability sort of early, early next year. So a little bit of a mix-up, but I think we've 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 kind of got the a reasonably you know uh, big picture on it. Um, the other piece is we used to use this term a lot uh, with with new technologies was killer app. What's the killer app? Mm. Uh, and I think there 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 is still a really big question. What's the killer app? What's the thing that would make us all want the Apple Vision Pro? And I think different people will have some different viewpoints mm. on 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 what that is. Um, and yeah, there's a whole lot we could probably delve into and in, in comparing it to, um, you know, what what exists in, from Microsoft, uh, from Meta, and 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 others. But um, you know, I think on on everything we're seeing so far, um, the, this looks streets ahead of everybody else's products. Mm. Um, but we have we have a pricing challenge and. A use I'm case not. Challenge? I'm not sure. Yeah, whether we have whether we have found uh, you know what's that use case that would drive mm. people to 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 use this a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like I I relate to um, the use case in my early experiences of trying out AR VR tech. Mm. Uh, it, it is a a specialist area. It would mm. seem, mm. and and this is what Apple is trying to crack is is it is about reframing it as. A new form of computing, spatial computing. Yep. And at the moment, it's not something that that many people can relate to or or see a use case in. Uh, but what I have uh, seen of of Vision Pro is that it is streaks ahead. It is mm. set in a mm. new standard. Um, therefore, the price. But we do expect that to come down eventually. Um, 
like we did with the first generation of iPhones as it comes down and the tech gets smaller or, or they can mass produce it. Um, on mass producing though, and I think this this plays into why there'll be a delay in making it available worldwide, why start in the US, is because they want to make sure that it is a good fitting experience. And there was definitely a, a lot of talk in, in terms of um, even the people trying it out, uh, various different pieces that you needed to put on to make sure it was going to be comfortable, that it was going to you know, fit your... Um, width of your eyes, but also if you if you did have prescription glasses, dropping in these um, special magnetized lenses that would go into it. Yeah. Um, so a lot of sort of aspects around that in terms of taking it to a wider market. Um, but, but I mean, what I what I see and have I've watched definitely a few different recounts of of people's experiences. It's the same old story. How how do you show something like that in a video? Uh, and do it justice, and it's not until you sort of pop it on. Microsoft did a reasonably good job with that, and seven years ago when they brought out HoloLens and they had a way of having this roving camera that would, would make it look like this is the viewpoint. Yes. But yeah, in they, reality... They, they, they did a cool <laughs> job of it, but, yeah. it was, but the, the reality wasn't as good, was it? Right, yeah. It was that whole sort of viewing angle uh, uh, in terms of that real AR, and I think this is where yeah the field the field of view was was limited yep. because um, of yeah how how the technology mm. was in terms of what was overlaid. You were looking through a screen, mm -hmm. so you could see the outside world. Um, the Apple approach to augmented reality is is quite different. Mm. Yeah, like we know it is AR and VR. But I heard the term tossed around as XR, which means I guess you can cross over between it. Now, the Vision Pro isn't truly AR. It is just really good cameras bringing your view of, of your room or wherever you are into, into your view and overlaying the content and the apps on top of that. And this ability to be able to dial your focus in and out is, is actually something that's quite special too. I mean, I, I know... I would be using a headset like that sometimes to just get that focus to, you know, bring a certain piece of work in front of me and, and not, you know, see anything else around me. But at the same time, being able to dial in and feel like I've got uh, infinite space for monitors uh, would be quite something. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm absolutely fascinated as to, as to how this plays out. Mm. Yeah. Could you wear this while you're driving your vehicle to work? <sighs> Mm. Um, you know, what are the scenarios? What are those edge cases of, you know, where's acceptable, where's not, right? Because if you, you know, you think of just driving your, you know, on a typical um, car or maybe maybe an older, an older car um, and if, yeah, the software was there, lets you kind of see what's happening in the outside world, uh, you know, you've got, um, you know, a, a apparently, you know, very uh, a very full sort of you know field of of view, no no uh, limitations there, and then you could kind of get build in the kind of the heads up display type mm -hmm. things of, you know, speedos, and you can have the technology kind of showing the map on the screens. So you're not having to look around at your GPS, look around at your radio, you can voice control it for what audio you want to listen to. That to me doesn't sound like 
something that they're likely to be targeting at this point in point in time. Mm. Um, but it's sort of wondering where are that where are these different use cases? Where's it going to play out? Is it just an alternative way to to work? You know, set up your keyboard and mouse, and you will work everything in the screen, and it might feel like operating on a on the biggest you know wraparound screen that's you know, never been invented. Mm. Well, that could be cool. Watching movies and the equivalent of going to an IMAX, but actually you're you're kicking back while you're on the bus to work or, mm. you know, whatever these other scenarios are. So there's interesting possibilities, but how it actually plays out, whether, uh, you know, the, those, those sort of use cases are, are really, really good or whether it doesn't, you know, quite come off as as good in the real world. Uh, and then, you know, obviously down to the price points. Um, yeah, we've seen the Apple, um, you know, watch business has been an interesting, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's been an interesting one to follow. I think I, I read that they've sold, I should I should check this, the number of um, Apple uh, watches uh, sold. And let me have a look. Uh, oh, yeah, Don't here ask we go. ChatGPT. They were they were expected to reach. This is according to some random source on the internet. Well, a few, um, and some of them are, are reasonably big, big sites actually. To be fair, that are all quoting this that they are expected to get to a, and this was by twenty twenty two, a hundred and forty million uh, Apple watches mm. in the market. So that is a pretty large uh, amount of money, uh, you know, we're, we're well into the tens of billions of, mm-hmm. of dollars there. Um, now, that's at the other end of the, of the scale, but the people that are buying Apple Watches, uh, you know, usually Apple fans that are part of their broader ecosystem, um, so you could cut that back to a much, you know, a much smaller, smaller percentage, you mm-hmm. know, and I guess that's the question. Could it be as big as the Apple Watch business quite quickly? Which means, you know, so one in 10 Apple Watch owners could buy the Vision Pro. Well, it's probably that sort of percentage of Apple, mm. um, you know, fans, Apple users, um, that could probably afford this sort of money if they really, really wanted it. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's going to come down to you know just how compelling it is. Mm. You've got to imagine there's going to be there's going to be a bunch of people that are going to lay down their cash uh, anyway. The mm. the question is, is that a million? Um, and mm. and if it were a million, that's still three and a half billion US dollars, which goes a fairly long way to covering off the research and development and the production. And then future generations, future things. Mm. I mean, to me, if if they can make it a compelling product that people are going to use on a regular basis, and and that you know that's the that's mm. the the unknown to someone that that hasn't used it and yeah, who hasn't really gone in with the other VR um, and and AR you know, products to a big degree in the past. You know, you try them out, use them, take a spin on the hollow lens. I did a walk. I did, it was somewhere in the US uh, event Microsoft uh, put on, and I went for a walk on Mars with Buzz Aldrin, I think, was commentating and, yep, and was yep. there and stuff. And it was really neat, um, but it didn't sort of compel me to want to spend 
you know, my whole day mm. uh, with the technology on my head. If if Apple can cross that line, then they have a tremendous, tremendous business here. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you would wear it all day rather than looking at, at a computer screen, uh, you know, a big computer screen, then potentially potentially it pays for itself. You know, mm-hmm. a, a really big kind of wraparound yeah. wide computer screen is, is into the thousands of dollars. Uh, you've got a fair bit of computing power and it does all sorts of uh, other things for you. I don't know. There's, there's, there's some possibilities where it adds up, but there's enough unknown there mm. uh, that, yeah, I, I probably, yeah, I'm not sure I'd have the confidence to place a huge bet on it. Mm. Um, but if it comes off uh, from from an, uh, you know, an investment perspective, if it really really comes off, uh, this is going to add a lot to mm. uh, to, to Apple's uh, bottom line. I think, uh, yeah, just think about why the, the iPhone was successful. Eventually it was because developers got behind it. They built their apps. They came up with the other scenarios. Apple kept innovating and added more sensors, more cameras, more this and that. You know, they've extended further into uh, wearables and, and health and the like, mm. um, even down to, you know, emergency services and have been able to, you know, crash detection. Um, th- this is the trajectory that, they're hoping for with Vision Pro. And, you know, as a starting point, it's going to be helpful that you can take your mobile apps and use them in your headset, even at just a, a 2D perspective. But getting the developers on board to say, okay, where are you going to go to from here? You've got this app, which is now a 2D thing that can float in the air and you can you can interact with it by looking at things and then making little micro movements with pinching stuff. Great. You've, you've improved on how you interact with it. You've improved on um, accuracy and refresh rate so people don't get motion sickness. But what are you going to do, developers? You're going you're gonna to sort of think a bit wider than this and try and take advantage of the other sensory things that are possible within a um, spatial computing. And that, that's where they need to win that sort of innovation over for app developers to extend and almost create more of those unthought of, unheard of use cases. Mm. And then the question is, you know, what what will the what will the Apple Vision light look like? You know, is it is a standard pair of glasses like I'm wearing today? Just looks like a standard pair of glasses, but it will it gives you some element of this as chips get smaller, mm. batteries get smaller, yeah, things get more efficient, and and so on. Are we talking some sort of future version, which is. Uh, uh, contact lenses or some light shining into your <laughs> eyes. I mean, who knows what the possibilities are. But I, I think, you know, one of the things we've learned, it's pretty hard to work out, you know, where we're going to be a few decades ahead, even, you know, even at times a few, you know, weeks or months. So, you know, I think that there are a whole a whole lot of, you know, possibilities here, yeah. whether Apple have a hit on their hands with a, with a version one product, whether they kill it off after that or or you know whether it's got a long uh, long future. I, you know I think there's, there's a few pieces that come into play here, but probably the yeah the biggest of all for me is whether this is something that people you know that buy it will you be using it every single day. Mm. If 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 most of their buyers can find something that entices them to to wear this every single day, um, then you know they're they're in a, a very, very strong position because I don't think, own, you know, most owners of existing headsets are probably in that, um, 
you know, are probably in that space. Mm. Now, on the flip side, do I think it's good for humanity that we're all, you know, putting something on our heads and getting even, you know, we, we spend enough time looking at screens as it is uh, to have, you know, something uh, that's yeah, placed directly, you know, mm-hmm. uh, on like the Apple Vision Pro. Um, I guess you've got certain scenarios that's, you know, that that's okay, but um, yeah, again, that's probably a whole another sort of rabbit hole to uh, to to delve into about the future of of humanity and us all <laughs> becoming um, Borgs or something, cyborgs or something. Well, all having to have the Apple Vision Pro, like we we do when we need to uh, airdrop things, or you know, it's th- these are personalized devices purely from fitting and even you know for lens both you and I wear wear glasses so it's not like we're going to take this device and put it on our loved ones heads and then here you try this you try that um yeah it's and it's also really designed for you and your experience Hmm. so while while you might be able to see the floating ghost of Paul come through as he comes to talk over to me and, and Apple Vision Pro makes you appear through my content so I can have a chat with you. Um, it's still about me and what I can see on my screen. So, yeah, I, I think um, interesting space. I, I Look, if I had the money, I would use one. I'd get one. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm certainly look, looking forward to, uh, uh, you know, trying out the uh, the, the Vision, Vision Pro. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed, you yeah. know, uh, trying a, a bunch of these these technologies over the over the years and uh, and they're fun and they're only getting better and uh, you know this looks like a really a really nice uh, step up so uh, well done on Apple uh, well done Apple let's uh, let's see if you can uh, you can really turn that into something that we all that we all uh, will desire enough to uh, to drop our <laughs> our hard earned money on. Um, and then, of course, there's the whole business aspects, and that's that's probably another viewpoint because they, you know, they're crossing over, you know, very much. It's basically the same, uh, you know, price point as as where Microsoft are at that three and a half thousand yeah. dollar, um, you know, US um, price point, and um, you know, Microsoft have have done reasonably well when you when you consider, um, you know, the the pricing level, but. Yeah, have we got a lot of people that are using the technology every day? I think you know there's certain niches where it's where it's it's brilliant, but uh, it's not something that uh, mm. you know we're 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 hearing about every day of Hololens this and Hololens that, and uh, you know that it's that it's the the be all end all device. So yeah, interesting times ahead. Um, there was a bunch more at uh, Worldwide Developers Conference from Apple as well. Uh, the 15-inch MacBook Air. I'm pleased to pleased to see that one uh, announced by by Apple. Uh, I've always felt it's uh, um, I don't know a, a little bit of a, a cheeky thing on on Apple's part when you know probably most laptops sold today are, are in that sort of 15-inch size, and to get a 15-inch uh, laptop from Apple was was a reasonably pricey. Uh, endeavor uh, in the past, the sizes have changed a bit. Now we've got, uh, I think, fourteen and sixteen inch uh, MacBook Pros. But um, basically, as the size the screen size went up, mm. there were huge price uh, premiums. So having the the fifteen inch uh, MacBook Air start to become available at a bit more of a reasonable level. Good to see. Yeah, Apple filling in some gaps there. So uh, yeah, yeah, more than enough too with the M2 chip. 
So Apple Mac Air is um, it's actually becoming almost a standard issue too for some some corporate laptops as well because it becomes affordable, but it's definitely capable. Yeah, two four nine nine for the for the fifteen inch. A word of caution though. Apple are continuing to sell computers with eight gigs of of RAM as uh, as standard. I've heard I've heard an argument uh, that uh, oh, with the M2 chip that they run like a, a computer with a lot more than that. But uh, um, I think yeah, most of us probably want sixteen gigs of, of RAM in a in a in a new laptop purchase. So uh, yep. as a minimum. And because this is a MacBook Air, it is limited at this point uh, to one external display, so which is a, will be a pretty frustrating thing to, you know, some people who plug into their dock and they've got two displays. I like to have one big ultra widescreen sort of monitor rather than um, multi as a preference. But yeah, multi displays you get a um, pick a pick another Mac in that case if uh, if you mm. if you want to be in the Mac ecosystem. And yeah, I guess it, it highlights some of, some of the benefits of um, maybe going, you know, non-Apple still are pretty enticing for a, a bang for buck perspective. And you know, you can certainly get a certainly at a, at a consumer level, you can get a consumer level, you know, laptop that's going to support multiple monitors through a dock mm. and, and and stuff for you know, probably half that sort of price in some cases. So yeah, there's still that still that Apple uh, Apple Premium there, isn't there? <laughs> Now, Daryl, just I think before we finish up, it'd be good you just if you, you wanted to sort of since sort of the Microsoft three six five world is you know as where you kind of work uh, on a day to day basis. So I was you know curious, um, you know, any particular areas you wanted to uh, to mention that have been uh, you know you've been finding a have been uh, you know pretty interesting to people recently. Of course, hmm. Microsoft are you know continuing to uh, re- refresh. Uh, yep. their, their world of, of, of cloud products, probably Microsoft Loop quite mm-hmm, recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, what's what's standing out for you? Well, I think uh, they're definitely leading with AI and Copilot mm-hmm. and, and bringing that to many different uh, places. So their partnership with OpenAI has, uh, has uh, it definitely brought some interesting technology uh, to, to the forefront. I think what... Um, if I, if I go back to like one of the themes that, that Satya had for Microsoft Ignite last year and, and we, we all like we're looking down the barrel of, okay, here comes some potential uh, financial troubles across the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so already talking about what can, we, what can we make better use of that we already have. And I think that was actually hinting towards uh, – the, the likes of, of Copilot and and making better use of the information that we currently have. So the um, the way that they've been introducing it into all of their different products and, and making it so that you can create a search from wherever you are, leverage whatever capabilities you have in an application uh, and um, summarize something or create some slides or or, or find this information that we already have. That's mm. that's really what they're preparing for, and you know we don't know at this stage uh, what cost might be involved with that. Uh, we have seen certainly a um, 
a diversification of premium licenses and and suites and various things with like with Microsoft Fever. But but Copilot, I think, will be an interesting one when they do release it and talk about how um, how that might be priced. I see that uh, if they do a good job of it, it will actually be something that could potentially revolutionise the way we work in in productivity space. Uh, talking of our uh, earlier discussion about sources. Um, that's still going to be important. Uh, so Copilot in this space is, is more about using information within your organization, maybe tapping into a bit of what's what's public and available. Mm. Uh, mm. But um, you'd still want to know where this information came from and how good the source was. Uh, so, that yeah, they're leaning right into that, building mm. it into mm. Copilot for, for PowerPoint, Copilot for Power BI, Word, et cetera. Uh, and then also building it into new products like Microsoft Loop. Mm, mm. Um, I think there's there's some interesting potential there. If you know, if you can make a product, um, or if a product can make you much much more productive, mm. and if there aren't very easy to access equivalents, right? What's that worth? Yeah. You know, if if you if you've got a product that could save you. Let's say it could save every user of it ten hours a month. That's mm. that's that's pretty valuable, uh, pretty valuable thing. Now, of course, it depends. Yeah, what what else is there in the market that can do the same thing and so on? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the the Microsoft suite has uh, you know has a has a fairly you know strong hold within most you know businesses and yeah. and organizations less so within the startup sector but certainly you know the the sort of market share figures we we can compare to um you know to Google's is 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 pretty strong when it comes to on that productivity um sweet front and um yeah a, a scenario in which they decide to to charge uh uh, what may, might feel like an exorbitant sort of figure compared to, you know, what some people might pay for, you know, for their product uh, today. Mm. Um, look, it, c- it could be possible if it if it really makes that much of a um, of a saving and in time, if there if there isn't some good sort of strong uh, competition in terms of add-ons and and mm. bits and pieces, which you w- you would tend to think there would be. So I think we'll just have to, you know, we're gonna have to watch watch that one and, and see how Microsoft see how Microsoft plays. Uh but you know, you could imagine they're wanting a return on their investment in open AI. And uh, you know, they're they're definitely going to be uh um you know looking for adding some extra options mm-hmm. that uh, uh businesses and, and organizations will pay for. Yeah. Well yeah. I mean Looking at that, one of the key problems is is trying to find our information. Mm, you know, running mm, search mm. and finding our stuff, and and many organisations haven't optimised yeah. search. Mm, uh, mm. This is seen to be the new search, mm, and, mm. and so being able to have that conversation to find your content, uh, will it save us some time? Yeah, yep. certainly hope so. Um, one tool I'll mention because we we have uh, with the New Zealand Tech Podcast has partnered with them in the past, and they've been doing some pretty cool stuff. Um, is Process Street and um, Process Street have have a really you know powerful platform for managing business processes on, and um, they are one of the probably one of the the fastest moving companies I've seen with how 
they've tapped into OpenAI's um, tech. Mm. And so they've just just launched. It's in, it's in beta, but all, all the users get access to it. Um, yeah, you can go into this platform and, you know, write a title for a process that you want and then hit a button and it will build the business process out for you in all its varying steps and form fields and uh, and and so on for you. Now it's it's early days. Um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's uh, um, you know going to save everyone a lot of time, but it's uh, it's quite fast moving for you know for a software company to build that sort of productivity build in rather than just you know oh yep yeah, you can go out here and you know, use uh, chat GPT and then manually feed mm, bits and pieces mm. in. Um, and and look, I think it's an example of how, you know, in a lot of cases, software companies can build in AI uh, capabilities, you know, quite easy because of, you know, tapping into to the likes of uh, OpenAI, you know, to do the hard stuff and then they just have to work out how to integrate um, that in. So, um, yeah, if anyone is interested in Process Street, um, nztechpodcast.com slash process dash street. Um, and there's a there's our affiliate link there um, if you want to try it out. Benefit of using that is if you ever convert it to a paid subscription, um, you do get a lifetime uh, discount and, and it supports the New Zealand Tech Podcast. So, um, yeah, well worth a mention. Uh, it's, it's been, you know, key, key part of... Um, you know, my businesses over over the last um, you know, five or six years, and uh, yeah, really cool to see them at the uh, at the forefront there with um, with AI. Cool. Well, that uh, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you, uh, Daryl, for uh, for joining New Zealand Tech Podcast today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been good to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Big thank you to our uh, show partners, of course, Gorilla Technology, HP, Spark NZ, Two Degrees, and One NZ. So thanks, everyone. We'll look forward to catching you again on the next episode next week. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.